Welcome to the Startups Roundtable podcast, where we discuss the science and art of startups with founders and the broader startup community. I'm Tony Hackett, and I've spent over a third of my B2B sales career either working for early stage startups or as a go-to-market and social selling mentor for founders and their teams. In each episode, we will explore various topics, including decision-making, team-building, and growth strategies. Before we meet today's guest, I'd like to start with an acknowledgement of country. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet. Here in Sydney, it's the Gadigal people. We pay respect to elders past, present and emerging and extend our respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people attending today. In a world where customers are inundated with sales collateral, it's more important than ever to stand out from the crowd. And what better way to do that than with AI-generated videos? Thanks to advances in natural language processing and video synthesis, it's now possible to create high-quality videos from nothing more than text input. That means you can quickly and easily generate custom videos for each of your products or customers without needing to film or edit anything yourself. Not only does this save you time and money, but it also ensures that your videos are always up-to-date and relevant. So if you're looking for a way to give your sales collateral a boost, consider using AI-generated videos with real humans from just text. To help us look into this innovative space, I am pleased to welcome Eli.io co-founder Vitaly Romcheko. Vitaly, fantastic to have you on the podcast today. Maybe you could get us underway by telling us a bit about yourself and what you're up to right now. Hey, Tony, thanks uh, for having me uh, at your podcast. It's an honor for me. Let me tell you a little bit about uh, myself, my background, and uh, what our company is doing. So my name is Vitaly Romanchenko. I'm CEO co-founder of Eli.io. We started the company around a year ago. We're basically a deep tech company that helps companies generate video content with real humans from text. I have a master's degree in uh, computer science. Before uh, starting Eli, I was working in a big enterprise companies, mainly focused on software development. And uh, I was product lead, engineering manager, product manager for famous brands and different products that we launched. But I always wanted, you know, to start my own company and to build the unicorn kind of startup. That's why, yeah, me and my friend, we started the company uh, around a year ago. And then we added our third co-founder, Alexei, who basically took over the ML part, the, the, com- the complicated scientific part. So our main focus is to scale and grow our business. We, we're continuing to grow quite significantly. We are incorporated in February. And since then, we grew from 700 users to 15,000. So we're trying to grow, trying to deliver new features, you know, to make our customers happy. I'm curious. That's incredible growth. Congratulations. How do you go from the, the position of thinking you're onto something to then take the step to start and to invest all of yourself and your energies and efforts into the startup? I would say a couple of things uh, that driving me. First is uh, I know that I'm at uh, right place and I'm uh, I'm basically doing what's important and uh, has value for me and for people that surrounded me so I'm responsible for my team you know and that's something is driving me and also 
because of the war, I understand how complicated for for our teammates that currently in Ukraine, you know, to provide to their families, you know, to have stable job, you know, and that's something that's driving us as well. Because as I said, we're incorporated and we basically start operations in February. And in three weeks, we had war, you know, and even during these circumstances, we keep pushing and we grew growing our business, you know, that's something that is pushing me a lot. So first would be that I understand that this is, I would say, like my calling. I need to, I like what I'm doing. Second thing is just responsibility for the team. And I know that we need to go through, push through, you know, and make it happen. I was so intrigued when I saw your innovation, your invention, and looking at customer engagement and sales and video, it is a very matter-of-fact thing for you and I to be thinking about the role of video in being able to connect with customers. But there is a gap, I believe, in the intellectual engagement, that that's something that should be done. And for people, sellers, customer service people to actually take that step to start to use video as a matter of fact engagement channel. Is there a simple explanation as to why there is that gap that you've needed to fill, why people haven't felt confident to get in and create the videos themselves? But fortunately, you're there to bring AI to help that become an easier tool, an easier channel for people. I think it's because overall there is a shift how users interact with the content. So people stop reading books, you know, people don't read emails anymore. And we see the shift from the reading content to the visual content. I think in the next two two years, 65% of users that will basically come to your website will come from the video channel. So the video channel is growing massively and because it's uh, growing so massively there is a need to create this video content and uh, when we did like our customer development interviews with the big corporations and with smbs we saw that all of them they need video content you know they need video like for marketing for education of their employees, uh, learning development content. But create such content, it's quite expensive and complicated because one minute of video, professional video creation will take you around five to eight hours to to create, actually. And it will cost you up to $1,000. And with Eli or with uh, AI technology, it will cost you around $2 and will take you 15 minutes. So transition, you know, from traditional video creation to the AI video creations, it's like huge. And that's how you can basically reduce time and cost for the video creation. So you can see like uh, obvious benefit of it. Vitaly, you've just explained a very compelling business case in one sentence. Well done. (laughs) But the other thing I wanted to ask you about, do you think about B2C and B2B differently or do you think about them in much the same way? I would say for us, it's still quite complicated to divide those uh, sectors because, yeah, we we kind of, we focused on B2B, right? Because B2B are those who's bringing us money, basically. Still, we're looking how this uh, technology is evolving. I believe in two, three years, you won't see the difference between real human and the digital human avatar. Currently, digital human avatars won't give you that personalization or emotion. But in two years, three years, they will because the technology will develop. So in that case, I see a lot more application areas in B2C because now you can clone yourself and give this personalization thing. 
uh, if you're like a blogger or video creator, you know, or or you have a TikTok and you just want to create the content in 65 languages with yourself, you know, that's how you can do it. Currently, that's something that businesses are, are using and they don't need like this personalization or this naturality, you know. So my answer would be we're trying to evolve with the technology and we're trying to target both markets and see how uh, what uh, the responses would be. It's interesting. You make a point there about the, the customers and, and how they would use it. But the expectation from the consumer, whether that's in a B2B environment or a B2C, the consumer is expecting video now. The idea of there being no video isn't acceptable. You could then work out the degrees at which you incorporate video into any go-to-market or any customer engagement. That's just going to be the norm. You reminded me of a video I saw, maybe it's 10 years ago, and it was to do with Microsoft's Xbox. And it was in an earlier day of very, uh, very interactive and very lifelike video. The point that stayed in my mind since then is that's nice from an art point of view, but it doesn't have to be that for it to be engaging or to be meaningful and to deliver business value. Do you find that there's a discussion amongst your team or in your mind about what level of quality needs to be delivered for it to be meaningful and for it to deliver business value for a customer? And and how do you work out when to stop going for the absolute greatest video output? Because we're deep tech and that's something uh, is like a daily question for us. And our challenge was at the beginning, still I don't think we're kind of at that level of perfect quality of lip sync or perfect quality of the AI speaking avatar, right? How to make money, you know, how to survive and make money, you know, even if we don't have the perfect product. And that's something that we try to uh, resolve fast. And we believe in agile approach and we are kind of uh, started to deliver fast, like a small chance and get the customer feedback like uh, on the early stage. And that's something we're trying to do. So I would say that this approach allow us to get the customers that some of the customers won't accept the current quality. They need, as I said, some of them, they need super personalizations, the best uh, AI kind of lip sync ever. But some of the customers, we saw that, okay, that they okay to get the product at that level. And that's something that I see because application area is huge and there are so many companies out there that need video creation. Like all of the companies, they need video creation now. For some companies, they will require super cool quality that we're still not there and maybe none of the companies, the competitors are there yet. But some of them, they already accepting the quality and there are still some quick roads to the quality that we can use uh, or we can tweak with technology. For example, if you take the avatar and you can make it smaller, so the quality would be better. If you will make it like huge, then the lips would be bigger, right? And the the quality of the lips would be worse. Some, Some of the tricks, but they work. And that's something that you need to work with. I love that as an explanation. And that makes all the sense in the world to me. Because the point is, you can either make a decision to do something or not. And there are a thousand reasons to not. But if you're able to make it simple, which you do, I've used your system. I I logged on, created a, a profile and tested it. And I use video a reasonable amount in sales and business development and producing somewhere between 30-second and 60-second videos. You were mentioning some stats before about the time that it takes to produce that. I agree with you. And so then the point becomes, if that's what it is, it's easy to go, no, I'm not going to do it. 
But if you start to create meaningful content, and I think that's a pretty good word to use, meaningful content, meaningful video engagement, and come up with approaches to averaging the quality in a good way, then it becomes a very important tool in your toolkit. It's not about relying on 100%. We don't rely on anything. We don't rely on text. We don't rely on on email. We don't rely on any of that 100%. It just becomes another tool in the arsenal. And if we're starting to post on LinkedIn, for example, LinkedIn isn't a full banner presentation. So what I saw in your tool and what you're producing with Eli.io is a way for people to break through the barrier of not using video in their customer engagement. I think that's a pretty powerful place to start. Yeah, definitely. I would say even like regarding the quality, you know, and the engagement, when we're talking to like the native scientists about how to increase the engagement through the video, they told us that even if you will put like like only eyes in the corner of your video. So the human engagement of watching video will grow just because they see the eyes, you know? So it's like they see that somebody is looking at them so they start to watching it in it. So sometimes even like there's a presence of avatar is more about it's it will just increase the engagement right away, even if the lip sync is not perfect. That's why it's so powerful because people see the human, they uh, they automatically think that somebody is talking to them, right? So they're increasing their engagement. That's why it's a great uh, great channel how you can increase engagement with your videos quite easily, you know, uh, without kind of additional effort. That is so interesting. You reminded me of a a course I did at Teachers College many, many years ago, and it was about readability, which I find interesting about the level that you should write at so people can comprehend. But one of the exercises was to put a ruler on a book and you block out the bottom of the words. So you're only seeing the top of every letter. Have you ever tried this? No, no, it's interesting. You must do it. And you'll find that you can read just at normal speed and you only see the top half of every letter on the sentence. And it's, so to your point about the eyes of the engagement, that makes all the sense in the world to me. And it's about being able to drive that change though. Who are the people who are most interested in your story? You go along to a customer now, the growth numbers you mentioned before, fantastic. But I'm guessing there are some people who will show resistance because they don't quite know how to embrace it themselves, but some will actually be very excited that you've turned up. What have those experiences been like for you? I would say that when we start to talk like uh, to the bloggers or to teachers, they actually was not super excited about our product because they value their personality. So they want themselves because they're presenters, they selling basically, they teaching, they want their hands moving, you know. And at that uh, moment, we weren't offering the voice cloning. Now we do. So now we voice cloning. We integrated with the solution and now we have the voice cloning. But they wanted this personalization. And once we did this customer uh, interviews, we figure out that, okay, that's probably not our group. But for example, learning development content or explainer videos, they work totally fine because that's not that important. You don't need like a personalization. You just need the avatar who will narrate the videos and they would be 100% more engaging than just a boring compliance training presentation, you know. And that's how we realized, okay, so that's our case probably for now. And we can turn, for example, boring PDFs into videos in couple clips. And as I said, we're still evolving. And now we see a huge market and huge potential in a little bit different area. We just released our new feature, which allows you to generate video videos just from the article or a blog post. So all you need to do is just to paste the link to the article, click generate, and you will have narrated video created based on the context of the article. And this is huge. So because you have a blog, for example, you need a YouTube channel with the traffic. All you need to do is just paste the links to your blog pages, 
1000 links click generate you will have 1000 unique videos another another way to go is e-commerce niche as well in the e-commerce store sometimes you have the videos about the products the same thing uh, you can just generate a bunch of videos about the products and it would be 20 times cheaper and faster you know so this is a, a different uh, customer personas we're still trying to think how we can approach them and how we will create this product tailored to their needs i really believe in uh trying to test the product fast and get the customer feedback fast. And that's how you grow. That's how you evolve. You can't just look at your competitors and do what they're doing because you will be slow. You, you need to uh, see what's out there and trying to test, trying to talk to young people, trying to see what young guys are doing because they have ideas, you know, and that's how you can find your niche, you know, not to be the third or second, the company in the, in the category, you know, you want to find your own category. You want to find your own audience. What excites you most about the technology at the moment or what you're seeing in that short to medium term horizon? Basically, the, the growth of synthetic media, that's just super amazing uh, how everything is evolving. And uh, yeah, it's quite scary, you know, even though we have like a code of conduct, you know, and you are not able to generate crazy contact using our platform, you still see how realistic it becomes. And I know that based on my already experience that I have, I know that in five years, it would be just similar. And even like in three years, it would be close to similar what you have currently on your TV, you know. And that's that's quite interesting. And even like from the technology point of view, currently we're using the models for our avatars. So we film them in the studio, and then we're using the creating avatars. There are already technologies that you will be able to generate the whole face, the whole human, you know, and it will be ultra realistic and it would be a 3D person. So you can add movements, the, the avatar will be able to turn the head, you know, and stuff. So that's quite interesting. Vitaly, I'm always interested in decision-making and, and how that happens amongst co-founders. Just hearing you speak, the excitement is in your voice, it is palpable. I'm guessing when you're with your co-founders, the three of you equally ex as excited, and there are so many things you could tackle at the same time. How do you go about working out what not to do? As I previously said, I have quite some experience in the product management, project management, and I believe in proper agile processes and proper project management processes. And uh, we try to make our decisions based on data. We have our backlog of our tasks, you know, we prioritize them. We understand what our goals, we, we're using the OKRs approach with objective and key results framework where we understand, okay, these are our goals and that's what we need to achieve them. And we're trying to stick to that uh, goals and we have sprints or iterations every two weeks and we're trying to get the reviews every two weeks and trying to adjust our goals, you know. But definitely there are so much things you need to do because you're a startup. You see a lot of stuff that you're missing or you have a bunch of ideas and you're limited in your resources. So it's, it's quite challenging and you, you're trying to push, you know, and trying to, you know, be the best you can. What's recruiting been like for you? When we're talking about tech teams, recruiting is always a complicated topic because I even remember with my enterprise experience, sometimes you need to, to close the position. You need first, you need a lot of money. And second, you need to a lot of time, like maybe three to six months, you know, to, to close the position. With startup, you won't be able to afford that. So you need the person in three weeks or two weeks. And for us, it, it's quite challenging to hire great people, especially when we're talking about ML and experienced deep tech guys. But we have experienced core in founders. Currently, we're hiring more junior specialists and we teach them. We're trying to grow them. So we the main thing is to find the 
person, the teachable person with the right attitude and the person can grow. And with this strategy, you actually can hire somebody like student, for example, or just the early kind of stage employee that is teachable and that can grow. And that's what we're trying to do. It's, it's harder because you need to pour a lot of in their growth. It takes a lot of time from you. But as a startup, you need to do this strategy because you, you can't afford 100,000 or 200,000 employee. That's why you hire somebody junior, you take in 40 interviews, finding the best students, you know, or the best guys and you hire them and they bring in the result. I'm doing some work around workforce transformation here in Australia at the moment. So it's interesting to hear your answer to that question. Because I think what you've described, we're going to see more and more, not just in startups, but in companies in general, almost an apprenticeship type of an environment where part of it is where you're learning on the job from experienced people, but there's also that level of testing and a a measurable level of knowledge that needs to be gained. It's not going to be one or the other. It's got to be a real combination of the two. So it's very interesting to hear that that's your approach. And you're right, who has the time? Once again, not just a startup, but the larger organizations as well, who has the time to spend the six months, nine months to go and recruit and find, which puts a greater responsibility and onus on the networks and the customer loyalty and employee satisfaction. So if we thought it mattered before, I think it matters now more than any other time in in working history. I'm glad that it's working out for you really well there. I wonder if you could close for us today with a comment on mentors and coaches and experiences that you may have had or advice that you would give to early stage founder or somebody thinking about starting their own startup if they were looking for mentors and coaches. What would be some tips? I would say definitely you need somebody experienced in uh, raising money or if you can get some advice from uh, like the VCs, you know, or investor, angel investor, that would be crucial for your growth and basically preparation for raising money because there are so many different things you need to know to raise. That's the first thing. The other thing, you need to stick with experienced people, experienced startups or experienced entrepreneurs and basically uh, learn from them. Simple things, even to prepare the pitch deck or how to hire the team or how to build the MVP or what's to focus. So it's all about the building relationship and trying to get from the best. The last thing, maybe when we're talking about the product development, my best advice would be, for example, uh, graphics or designs, you know, don't try to build something unique or something complicated because super unique and complicated design would cost you a lot. Go copy somebody, you know, I'm not saying copy the product, check what the best are doing trying to copy the best and that's how you can actually grow faster and with a better quality that's probably would be my advice wonderful tips to share thank you and the elay.io story is a fantastic story and it's the right story for this time i believe it's been a pleasure to meet with you today vitali thank you for taking the time for joining me on the podcast thanks tony thanks for this great conversation appreciate it i hope you enjoyed today's episode Feedback is always welcome, and I would appreciate introductions to potential future guests to invite onto the podcast. But that's it for today. Thanks for listening, and bye for now.